okay? <laughs> and you're on a plate that you pull out and go, hey, is this okay? No, it's digital. It can manipulate it. <laughs> This is not this is not olden times of alchemy. Yes. <laughs> so this is usually I let people like go through their whole spiel before I give them the warning that we're live, but we are now live, okay. computer Ed. This is this is the internet. Is this, this is your first time? <laughs> this is my first time. Please be gentle with the internet. Please be kind. Oh my god. I am so I am so thrilled. I can't so yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that this was gonna be like the first live show. I hadn't thought about it in that in that context, like, oh, I'm having a radio personality on the show. Oh my god, it's your first time too. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is scary now. <laughs> my wife's gonna see this at home and be like, What uh-huh. the shit did I get into? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you got yourself in a fanboy zone right now. I'm not usually dolled up. On the uh, on the podcast, but here we are. We're also not usually live. We don't usually have somebody as cool as Computer Ed on the show, but here crazy. we are. <laughs> or it's crazy. It's or, or, or it's crazy. Uh, somebody that I'm as a fan. Okay, so uh, I need to now send you the link so that if you want to share that in your appropriate pages with your appropriate people, then... Spread the word. Spread the word. Chaos word. is about to begin. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome. What? I don't even, I've never seen the Thunderdome. We, we discussed, we discussed, by the way, folks, of having a little something special in this soda, and we decided that that wasn't going to be good for us. <laughs> we would be in, we would be in trouble. It would make the show more interesting. Okay. Uh, oh, hey, I even picked up my own, I picked up my own echo that I was looking for there too. How exciting is that? Ooh. Okay. So that, no, I don't want to be in the video anymore. The people don't need to hear me talking about me to you. <laughs> How many different people are we hearing all right now? Uh, it's just all the people inside Nathan's and Ed's heads. Oh, my God. Um, if we got all the people inside both of our heads talking, we'd have a crowd in here. Police would arrest us for too many people in a room with COVID. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> uh, the best part about this, too, is my phone's at like 20% battery. So by the time this show <laughs> is all said and done, it will probably just be, it'll be, <laughs> if I get messages and phone calls, I won't be able to see them. But if I, I see anything on Facebook, it'll I, pop I, up. I called my wife when I parked outside and I said, I'm going to leave the phone in the car. <laughs> and she's like, well, just, just put it on silent mode. If I put it on silent mode, I'm going to get 3000 calls and texts during the show. So I'm do you, is your phone, do you not car. have your phone with you? No, I don't have a phone in here with me. It's locked up in the car. Oh my God. So we're, so this is, this is all based off of my abilities right now. I, I thought you're, I thought you had, um, I thought you had your phone on you. I was going to send this to you. You could share it out. And then... Oh God, no, 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 no. <laughs> my Facebook list, since we're live, I'll, I'll even tell the story. My Facebook list is tiny. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't have a lot of people on my friends list because I, I like friends that are really friends. Yeah. Uh, so basically my family and people that I have come to over the years know. So it's like 50 people. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that's going to go crazy. That's yeah. fair. It, it's yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get you that many numbers, <laughs> but you used to have some numbers. Oh my God. At one point I had probably about 10,000 friends on Facebook. Well, okay, so Facebook, yes, but like in the radio world. Oh, in the radio world, we actually did pretty good with the radio show. We didn't do too bad at all. 
Um, we had a good followership online that would listen to the podcast after. We had good live viewing. Uh, I know at one point we were on, um, I can't remember which side of WJPF. If it was WCIL, I think it was WCIL uh-huh. on, on AM on Sunday afternoons. During Cardinals baseball, I had two different people at the radio station tell me our numbers were comparable to the Cardinals on the other side. That's that of- was, to me, amazing <laughs> that I was competing with the St. Louis Cardinals in Southern <laughs> Illinois. That's awesome. And at least you were going run for run. There you go. <laughs> I think we were a lot more fun to listen to because <laughs> baseball's boring. Well, to me, to me, <laughs> I'm not a sports guy either. And I've always struggled with it. Like, do I want to have this, like this type of camaraderie with my fellow man through competition? It's like, not really. <laughs> I, I like football. I've always been a big football fan. Um, my daughter's are New Orleans Saints fans with me. Uh-huh. So like when the Saints went to the Super Bowl and the the big playoff games and stuff, I had my daughters over at the house. I can tell you now, all three of us openly wept when the Saints won the Super Bowl. That's it, it was just it was we had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> so um one of the things that we're gonna have fun uh, with on episode 31 of the WTF Carbondale podcast is uh, well, first that we're live live like what you are seeing now is about a 10 to 15 second delay of the conversation we're having in the studio ran through my computer out a cat six line and into do the world. Do you have a bleep button? Huh? Do you have a bleep button? Oh shit no I don't have a bleep well, button. Well hell it's over now. <laughs> it's the internet. Neither do I have time constraints nor do I have language constraints <laughs> outside of well shucks even if we want to start a conspiracy theory tonight there's not an algorithm in place yet that could flag it so let's go ahead and launch wow. conspiracy. <laughs> and we're talking to interesting people about their interesting lives and tying it all together here in this little place we call home, Carbondale. Somebody who has called home, uh, called Southern Illinois home, called Carbondale uh, in the greater area home for his entire life yes. uh, is is Sapphire Ed, the artist formerly known as where he is in my heart and soul, <laughs> Computer Ed, a.k.a. Ed Chrysler, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know by my real name. I'm known by all the nicknames. (laughs) I tell everybody, call me anything you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. And they never have. (laughs) You're like, as soon as I hear a spoon cling against the inside of the pan, I know where I'm supposed to be. It's time to go. (laughs) Have you always been a beard guy, too? Like, is the Uh, beard? No. Um, I've spent a lot of time in my 20s early thirties floundering of what I was going to do. And so I ended up working a lot of fast food, a lot of fast food. And when I finally said enough and, and left fast food and started focusing really hard on the computer world, Uh I started a beard because I'm like, screw it. I'm never going back. (laughs) This is my way to say no. I actually had it very short until about a year and a half ago. Uh And my barber looked at me and she said, you know, you've got a natural Santa beard. <laughs> We're going to grow it out. So we yeah. grew it out and everything else. Now, here's the funny thing. So not, yeah, last year, before obviously before COVID, uh-huh. I applied to work as Santa in a few places. Do you know the beard is why they told me no? Because it looked 
because you it, not it, like Santa? I, I can't wear a fake beard. Ah. And I'm like, I don't need a fake beard. Look at this thing. It's real. I don't need a pillow. Look at me. I'm Santa. Oh, I'm actually oh, oh. Santa, damn it. And, and their response was, no, if you can't wear the fake beard, we're not interested. Huh. And I'm not shaving this for nobody. No. Yeah. No, once you're there, buddy, once you're exactly. in the beard, that's, that's it. Game on. Um, it Game on as well on the, on the whole Our Conversational Computer Ed, uh, Sapphire Ed here. Uh, has always been a live radio host that, like, a component of the Computer Ed, was it Radio Hour or Show? Uh, Computer Ed Radio Show. Computer Ed Radio Show. Because we we actually ended up doing three stations over the years. Uh-huh. We did WJPF for a long time, but the problem was we couldn't grow anymore at uh-huh. WJPF. So WGGH offered us a spot. And you think an hour radio show is long, do a three-hour show. <laughs> okay. So we did a three-hour show there for about a year. Uh-huh. Again, wasn't getting any headway, wasn't getting any traction. Then we came over and did WSIU for about a year. Mm-hmm. And the only reason we stopped at WSIU was I got the job with Sapphire. Uh-huh. And I just didn't have the time to devote to the show I thought I needed. Yeah. So I, I wasn't prepared to sacrifice the quality and the integrity of what we had created. Yep. So I said enough is enough. It's, it's been a fun run. Were you really only on WSIU for a year? Yes. That was a really good year of my life. And <laughs> I'm serious, man. Every like fond memory I have, like it's all tied. Like I listened on WSIU and it feels like I listened to a lifetime do, of your do show. Do you know WSIU was my worst time doing it though? We couldn't do it live. We had to record it. Okay. And there's something about a live show. That's why I wanted you to live stream. Yeah, there's absolutely. Something about live where all your mistakes, all your foobars are wide open. Uh-huh. And, and how you react to them, I think, tells you a, a lot about the person. Over the years, I've learned you just own the mistakes and move on. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, it was only a year at uh, WSIU. Man, that's... The sad That's wild. part. It, we feels, tried it, feel, it feels like so much more of my life. We, we <laughs> it, was, it was the best. Yes, um, Ed, you're right, because you were we, in it, Ed. But now, but now to, the best years of my life are ahead of me, because here we are. We, we tried to um, syndicate with um, NPR. Uh-huh. And the problem we faced, and I'm not kidding, this is uh-huh. what we were told, we were not NPR enough. I disagree. We we got excited. We got we got loud. We got crazy. And I think the final straw was so you got to go way back. Yeah. This was during all of this. An NPR guy in San Francisco had made some just ridiculously outrageous comments uh-huh. about PC gaming and violence. Ah, okay. Just obviously he knew nothing about the topic he was yeah. talking about. Yeah. And I actually said on the air this guy said his name is an idiot. And, <laughs> and they didn't like that. They didn't like I, being... I imagine NPR was a little upset with yeah. me for that. The, uh, the, uh, you know, I, you, you, and it was Doug that was your co-host. Yes. Doug so, Burner. Uh, Doug what? Sorry. Burner. Burner. Okay, cool. And just like that, you burned away. No, I just did silly. And so the, um, you guys were very car talk esque. I yes, would, yes, I, I believe that's a good analogy. We were a little more crazy than Car Talk. Yeah. But not that much. I, I no. Mean, and Car Talk had just um, yeah. closed. 
So we kind of thought we had a good shot there. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's that's a legitimate thing because you're 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 in multiple categories that fit with the car talk crowd, yes. right? You are you are technical observation, right? Which is very much what car talk was. Yeah, yes. it was a car show, but it was more about the technical observation and the car having to be the vehicle. Same deal on your end. It's the technical observation, but it happens to be uh, you know computers. And then the it other component. Topic, it was a topic that was coming up that yeah. nobody was talking about. And, and this is one thing I've always wondered with JPF, why we didn't do this. We kept asking them to do this. Uh -huh. Kim Commando is a mediocre show, in my opinion. She's a marketing show. Uh -huh. Whoever gives her the most money is who she's going to talk about how great their equipment is. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm not bashing her. It's just a reality. Yeah. It's what she does. Um, we approached them and said, you know what? You got Sports Voice Saturday morning. Yeah. A great local show. Let us follow it with Computer Ed right after Sports Voice. Yeah. Get rid of Kim Commando. Let's let's do that advertising budget into the show. Yeah. Give us those two hours, and you've got an entire morning of local programming. Yeah. And they just weren't interested. I don't know. <laughs> this is the, the landscape that we are in now is the reckoning for failing to open the door for as many creative people people yes. that would have otherwise approached folks to create original programming. Yes. Well, you know, imagine imagine a broadcast landscape, right? A, a a television, a radio, a newspaper, traditional media landscape that had let the individual creators more of them in more ways into the door 15 years earlier before they took it all to the internet. Yes. Now, I'm not saying you would have captured everybody, right? Cuz the internet is just accessible. But if you were able to localize a broader array of programming with your top tier talent with more frequency and, you know, even rotation, right? Because people can do fine on a biweekly show or, you know, fit into their slot, right? Whatever people can do, you would have so much more relevancy of traditional broadcast media. More, I mean, it's still this relevant. This is something that I think has destroyed local television and radio stations. Uh -huh. um, if you don't have good homegrown shows, why am I listening to you? Yeah. Because I can get the talk shows on the internet. I can get the music, usually with better variety, yeah. on the internet. And I can often get them for free without commercials. <laughs> yeah. Or, or very limited commercials. Yep. Okay? So... You've got these. You've got these options, and this killed those because they didn't go after the homegrown. They mm -hmm. went after the syndicated approach because it was cheaper. It was easier. Yeah, yeah. It okay, was everybody. Everybody gets your canned ridge cranberry right. sauce. And <laughs> uh, but television stations are looking at the same thing now. Mm -hmm. Most television stations. I remember when I was young. Yeah. WSIU produced local television shows. Mm -hmm. They've pretty much stopped doing that. And none of the local stations do it beyond the news. Yeah, there's no local. There's no local relevancy. There in is. Programming there is anymore. one piece of that content world that is still active in um, that is still active in Southern Illinois, and that is Angie Wyatt with the Spiel. Okay, I haven't, I, just, I haven't watched or listened or watched this. You got to get it to me. I, I I will. I will. So so Angie Angie used to be the lead anchor on TV three. Okay, right. Uh, are you familiar with that timeline yes. that she? Okay, so she was she was that, and then um, 
oh, it's, it's probably been maybe three or four years that she's had the show, maybe longer. I, I don't know. She's done a handful of other projects related to it. So she essentially runs a, a half broadcast, half ad agency operation. Uh, okay. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty neat. I mean, it's, it's forward thinking in the world of broadcast, right. And also in a competitive landscape where, you know, we're in a very split DMA, right. So bear with me. I'm also checking my audio on the stream real quick to okay. just make sure I sound good. Gotta make sure we sound pretty. Yep. Have we got any live viewers? Oh yeah. We got like two, two. Awesome. <laughs> Remember, maybe they're, questions? maybe they're both me. Cause I have one here okay. and I have one here. Oh, okay. But questions are welcome. So if you want to ask a question, the uh, the the replay values there though no we're 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 good um the hey there's there's a third person uh and <laughs> you have no idea what you stepped into <laughs> They're like oh god why am I here so Angie's got uh, Angie's got that operation um, that that covers multiple of those she airs on Fox on uh, weekend mornings like Saturdays uh, cool. around eleven or, That's or noon cool. you know so so in in the right slot. Uh, she gets her own external sponsorships, and I think she purchases those time slots. So, like, she's acting as a person, controlling her verticals, um, and they just they make content. And she's found a way to both localize her content, uh, you know, interviewing local people, talking about local activity. Uh, it's very much like a fun, like, touristy type of hour-long cool. uh, block. And then she also has a guy out in L.A. that she contracts with to do interviews for her, and they'll go to Nashville and pick up um you know some cool stuff going on they're they're filming somewhere on a boat right now i think they're um it, it's it's spun off into another show into it man i'm spitting now i'm so excited ed um <laughs> uh, it's lost everything lost Sorensen is is now he's got his own show um on the pbs affiliate out of <coughs> st louis uh, it's just it's kind of it's what she kicked off has broadened into so much other activity. It's just it's cool to see. So you know, I, we've gone in a, a million directions different than where I thought we would go with this. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that is a positive thing. Um, so the uh, we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna reel it back in because that's I was way off board. You um, so you're born and raised. So you you said you're from what what town? That's I, just a little I off grew up here? in a town called Oroville. Okay, which is about ten minutes outside of Murfreesboro, heading toward Ava. Okay, great. And then, do you still live there? Or did you like move to? Carbondale no, I proper? live in Carbondale right okay. now. Okay, how? When did you like move from the small town to the big old city? <laughs> well, I've I've lived in a few different towns in Southern Illinois over my life. I've nice. lived in Royalton. I've lived in Cambria, Carterville, Heron. Um, you want to rate them? No, I'm just kidding. Don't rate them. No, <laughs> no, no. I worked in El, El Dorado for a while. Nice. Um, so I've lived around for a while, but in Carbondale itself, I guess 12 years now. Uh-huh. Awesome. So I, I married my current wife, and we own a home, and we're here. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's, that's weird to a lot of people. I've had offers over the years from a lot of big companies to, uh -huh. to move to Chicago, to move to St. Louis, Los Angeles, Austin. And I keep turning them down for, for two reasons. One, yeah. they're really not paying me enough to move to a city. Oh, yeah. But two, this is home. Mm -hmm. My family's here. My friends are here. Uh, this, is, this is comfortable for me. There's almost no place I can't go that I haven't been 100 times. Yeah. And that's, that's just cool for me. It's very relaxing. To, to know where you live. And there's no rush here. Everything's not crazy like it is in the cities. Mm -hmm. 
there's there's no violence really here. I mean, there there is, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't see you, you don't see violent protests in the streets. You don't see you, you just don't see the chaos yeah. that you see in the cities today. And it's the the lived in memory component is for for me as somebody who's from here as well is is so crucial. Like I live in a house that's like been a family house, right? Like bought it for my family when my grandpa died, right. like that type of stuff. And it's, it's just nice to be able to like, feel like you're, you know, you know, for, for me, I'm, I'm repairing old and, and crappy memories, <laughs> but like for, for my kids, I'm hoping like to build that in and then hand the baton off. And now they can recreate and make more memories and just continue to build on that. Yes. And like, it's just all in place and they feel like, yes, I am staked in a physical place. They can go wherever they want to go. That's the world we live in. You can hop on a plane and be wherever within 12 hours globally. Oh, when I, when I look <laughs> at how much I've traveled in my life, and I think back to when I was 14, 15 years old, a trip to Chicago when I was 14 or 15 mm -hmm. years old to me was a major trip. Yeah. St. Louis was a big deal to me when I was that age. Now, um, gosh, I don't think there's a major city in the U.S. I haven't been to. Quite a few in Canada. Uh -huh. um, I've, I've been to Australia. I've been to England. Uh, I've been to Tijuana. Don't want to discuss that. That's the end we'll say about <laughs> we're, that. We're live, Ed. We're live. It's, we're uh, <laughs> but, but the point is, I, I've, I've traveled so much, and now travel doesn't seem like, well, right now it yeah, does. Yeah, right but, now. <laughs> but, but up until now, travel doesn't seem like that big a deal. It uh -huh. was nothing for me to get in the car and drive 12 hours to someplace I had to go. It was nothing for me to hop on, hop on a flight at uh, Marion get up to St. Louis and spend the day bouncing flights to go to either coast. Yeah. I, it, it, you can access the world in whatever way. A, you know, obviously there, there are, there are the financial limitations that anybody could yes. experience. Right. But now we're at a point where even through a phone screen in the, you know, in, in the poorest, uh, you know, most resource uh, constrained places on earth, you can you can find a screen. Well, you can you can do that, and travel is actually a lot less expensive. Yeah. Okay. So my my wife and I took a vacation. We went down to Biloxi. I've got a friend down there, uh -huh. and um, the trip cost us sixty bucks a night for a hotel, which to me was amazing. Yeah, no, that's, okay. that sounds like a pretty decent deal. But the hotel was on a beach, so one hundred and twenty bucks for the hotel, two tanks of gas, going down and coming back up. Uh huh. And then probably about another hundred and fifty dollars for the the food we ate down there because we ate really well. And, <laughs> but the point was, it was actually in the grand scheme of a vacation, not that expensive. Yeah. It it's it's not that expensive to travel and see places around you, and so now I get to segue into P some PC gaming stuff. Nice. One of the things, one of the things I tell people, especially PC gamers, uh, we tend to get caught up behind our desks uh -huh. and we talk to people through cameras and through microphones and headsets. And mm -hmm. We've missed the real social interaction. One of the things I love to do with my job mm -hmm. and, and I haven't been able to this year, uh, January was the last one I got to do. Uh, we do land parties. So land party is basically imagine 300 to 500 PC gamers bringing their computers to a hotel mm -hmm. or an auditorium, 
setting them all up together, linking them all up together, and then spending three to four days screaming at each other playing video games together. <laughs> Not over the internet. I'm yeah. talking in, in the same person. room. Yeah. You're, you're sharing a pitcher of beer or you're sharing a pizza with these people. And that, to me, is one of the most amazing vacations I tell PC gamers they need to take. Yeah, You need to find a local LAN party. Make the trip. Everybody's like, all oh, the hotel rooms and all the... Most of these land parties have places for you to sleep at the party. Yeah. <laughs> Just they, like, they say, hey, bring an air mattress, on the throw floor. it down, go to sleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> travel travel has really changed from when I was a kid. It, it's easier. It's simpler. And hopefully it will be again. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, post-pandemic, the, the interesting thing will be what are next steps in transportation development is i you know i'm i'm one of those i'm one of those kids that you know 31 years old i'm like where's this high speed rail that everybody keeps talking about <laughs> right like i look out you know on the oh, street down pack. here and i go you know man what would that do for carbondale if we had you know if there was a high speed rail from you know canada to you know the coast of louisiana or whatever like and and just connected this in a main artery that ran east to west just as well. Like you know what? I think you'd be surprised how little of an impact it would actually have. Okay. I I don't think that that transportation is going to drastically change Southern Illinois. Mm -hmm. uh, what would really change Southern Illinois is a change in the way we look at ourselves. Ooh. We are. We, we've so centered around agriculture and coal and, and there was for a while some decent manufacturing mm -hmm. in the area. Mm -hmm. And we forgot that there's other amazing technologies. And, and again, I'm getting kind of back into my wheelhouse now yeah, with this. Absolutely. Software development companies do not need massive infrastructure. Yeah. They need good internet and good power and you just ended the problem. Yep. And these companies, we could get them to move out of Silicon Valley. We could, George is doing a great job with this, oh, by yeah, the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We could get them to move out of Silicon Valley if we gave them incentives to be here, mm -hmm. if we gave them reasons to be here, if yeah. we tax incentives. Think about this. These companies have to pay their employees $120,000, $130,000 a year yeah. because that's the cost of living for low middle class yeah. because of the housing. 120,000 a year in Southern Illinois is wealthy. Yeah. Our standard of living, the cost of living is much lower. Not the standard, the cost. And these people could move into an area like this, reduce wages, but still make their people feel like they got a pay raise. Mm -hmm. They could reduce their infrastructure costs because they don't pay the ridiculous taxes and, well, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, they don't, but they don't pay the ridiculous power bills that they have to deal with. They don't have rolling blackouts they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then look around them. When their people are sick of dealing with their computers, we have got one of the most amazing natural habitat areas in the whole country that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got Little Grand Canyon, you've got Garden of the Gods, you've got a hiking trail that crosses the entire area. You've got hunting, you've got fishing, lakes everywhere, ponds everywhere. This would be an amazing place to move software companies to because they just don't need a lot of infrastructure. Yeah. Why aren't we why aren't we tackling that? Why aren't we attacking that? But th this is this is what I mean. We got to change our attitude if we want to really impact 
a change in this area. We got to change our attitude. We got to start looking outside the boxes that we're used to. We could, we could, well, seriously, I, from, from someone who works with software developers yeah. all the time, Southern Illinois is a hundred times more attractive than Chicago. Yeah. I so, mean, because you're, the, it, it, access is at its all time high, right? We yeah. led into the jobs conversation by talking about travel. If physical access is an all time high, why isn't physical separation and like placement outside of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, the density, yes. like the places with density, uh, you know, more commonplace. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a very similar mindset about, you know, my world in, in media and wanting to find the inexpensive way to, to create what is essentially, you know, a, a miniature Hollywood, but like a modern version of Hollywood. But, but you see, these things could be done if the mindset changed. Yeah. These things don't require the massive infrastructure. We don't need an airport that's capable of sending out 20 UPS super carriers yeah. a day. We don't need access to a thousand semis a day. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, even if we did, we have got this massive warehouse sitting out here on 13 yeah. that is nothing but an eyesore and a waste of money. Yeah. <laughs> this thing could be used, turn it into an incubator, put solar panels up and down the roof of it. Uh -huh. Oh, dear God, that thing has so much potential. No, it's massive. But nobody wants to think outside the box. We yeah. think in the infrastructure way, and, and there are so many ways with Hollywood, with music, with with video games, sorry, didn't mean to bump the mic. Somebody no, out there went, ah, you're fine. Ah, no. <laughs> um, we've got all these. I, I said I wasn't going to talk with my hands, and my hands are just going now. That's what why you're in me? frame, man. <laughs> um, we've got so many ways we can generate jobs. We can generate traffic. We've got SIU in our backyard and John A. Logan. Yeah. Are you telling me we can't put in good classes in gaming programming, in, in graphic design, mm -hmm. in music design. We can't put good classes in those things and give these kind of businesses instant access yep. to high-quality oh, people yeah. to do the work. Yep. We, we've got everything we need to do this. But again, there's a mindset. There's something there that just, I don't know why, it just stops these ideas before they can take off. Well, we, we don't even have a politician down here that pushes these ideas. Yeah. Well, part and part of this conversation is. Um, God, I'm getting into politics. Yeah, yeah well, 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 we'll bring you, we'll bring you back in. You, we, we said don't do politics in this show. We won't do politics. I, I this thought we were going to talk computers and gaming. We'll ah, replace us. Yeah, this is what I do to people, man. Uh, <laughs> so the 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 crap. Now I just lost where the hell I was at. Well, um, this train has left the station. The the idea. That, okay, so we're talking about jobs. We're talking about. And we're talking about bringing it all together, blah, blah, blah. Oh, um, so <laughs> the the school, right, and the access to talent and essentially having a, you know, a, a uh, you know, a factory for people where we produce yes. the qualified individuals yes. and provide them accessible proximity to the career path that they want to follow down. That's in it. And it's in so many ways, right? Again, 
Well, and what do you do? What you're doing is you're creating a closed loop economy where, yes, you're exporting stuff like technology and media and, you know, whatever, you know, micro manufactured goods and blah, 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 blah. And you're sending that out. But what you're doing is bringing everything in and closer to you, yes. creating a more resource dense environment where now taxes don't have to be as high because activity is actually occurring in this area. And the transactions that receive the taxes are more frequent because there are more people and more care and concern to connect one another together. And what leads it the 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 chicken or the egg the reality is we've got both we've got the infrastructure we've got the internet for this right? yes we've got what we need you know we we've we've got the professional infrastructure on one side we also have the people on the other side uh that are qualified to join the industry if people moved here if a if a let's say a company that was you know, track to growth from 100 to 1,000 employees over the course of the next three to five years, they could locate here and they could achieve that goal. Yes. And I, I think part of the problem is, I, I think many of the politicians are short-sighted. Mm -hmm. So you, you go talk about that politics again. Yeah, well, no, you know what? I'm going to be running for office. <laughs> Computer ed for president. That's it. Very good. So anyway, I've won the election already. You just don't know it. <laughs> you just don't anyway, know Anyway, I couldn't resist. That's because you're elite hacks or a computer, Ed. So you anyway, control the systems. Um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of them look at a project like this and they say, all right, what are the benefits? How many jobs are they going to bring into the yeah. area? And a lot of what we're talking about isn't going to bring a ton of jobs at first into yeah. the area. What it is going to bring is a ton of money. Yeah into the area. Remember that even if even if you move a software company in here, and, and let's say a small software company, um, I'm thinking like HBS, which is about 25 to 30 people. Okay. Okay, you move 25 to 30 people in here, and people be like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. That's 25 to 30 people that have well-paying jobs yeah. that are spending their money here. Mm-hmm. They're going to be more grocery store workers, more department store workers, more gas stations, more car dealers. Mm -hmm. they're, going to, they're going to grow everything else. And in a couple of years, they're going to need more help. And the first place they're going to look is the local sources yeah. to see what they can do. It's it's not a short term fix for our area. It's no. a long term fix. But there's but there is there is literally no short term fix. If anybody there's no thinks thing. there's a short term fix, they're shitting themselves. Like there, there's there's no such thing as a short term fix. Short term fixes are are stop gapped at best. Yeah, and they have no staying power. They're not designed to last yep. years down the road. They're designed to cover up a problem. We don't want to cover a problem. We want to solve a mm -hmm. problem. But we spend too much time approaching things, going, "I want my fix now." Well, that's the society <laughs> the internet created. You, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, I literally go back, by the way, to the beginning of the internet. Okay? <laughs> like I was, I so, was there at its birth in the cradle so of the first. I photo. really was. To give you a little background, uh, <laughs> this is why Carbondale holds a place near and dear in my heart. Um, I was going to school in Eltville. I'm a Falcon. Yes, uh -huh. I am. Thank you, and I'm proud of the fact Cacau. I'm a Falcon. Sorry. Uh, and <laughs> There was a program at SIU called Upward Bound, which was designed for low-income families uh -huh. to send their kids to summer school at SIU. And this wasn't a remedial thing. We were actually taking advanced high school and college, early college entry classes. Mm -hmm. And it was my summer of my freshman year, and I went to Upward Bound. And they took me down. I've told the story many times, so I, I tell it well. Uh, <laughs> they took us down to the basement of Morris Library. 
and there were these little cubicles in the learning center. And in these cubicles were these little orange plasma screens. And it was a computer system called Plato, which was actually out of the University of Illinois. This is 1977. Uh-huh. That's when I first touched a computer. And I haven't stopped since. My mother hated Carbondale because... Okay, so Saturday mornings, my mom would be off work. Uh-huh. She, would, she would get us kids up early in the morning. We would drive to the laundromat in Murfreesboro for her to do the laundry. Then we'd pick up the groceries, and then we'd go home. Uh-huh. Well, when I got old enough, that wasn't good enough. She had to first drive me to Morris Library and drop me off <laughs> and then pick me up at the end of the day. I spent the day in front of these screens. Uh, it. it this was this was cool stuff back then. This was it, there was nobody to teach us. We had to learn. Yeah. And so there's always that. It, that's why it was so funny to me at the last show of, or last season of Computer Ed was at SIU, because that's where Computer Ed technically started. Yeah. I forgot where I was going with the story. You were you were just going with the story. That's it, what, it, that's was, all it, it, it was just, but I've been doing this a long time. Now I remembered. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> I've been doing this since the internet started. There was no internet. Uh-huh. And you got to go back to those days when the internet first started. And we had this vision of what it could be. And it was a utopia. It was a place where we would share ideas. We would disagree and have intellectual and meaningful debate. Mm-hmm we would expand our understanding of other cultures. Data would be freely available to us. Material would be freely available to us. And we would grow culturally, was what our thoughts were when the internet first started. Little did we know that pornography and cat memes would be what the internet become. (laughs) And, And it did. It became pornography and cat memes. Well, when social media began, Again, we had it was a noble vision. The idea behind social media mm-hmm. was to interconnect us, to allow us to be a part of each other's lives, even if we couldn't be, and to to grow and share and become. And now we're down to what 125 characters is supposed to express realistic thought. Okay, we the internet has just become garbage to what it should have been. And it's sad because, like I said, I was there at the start. I, we, were, we were amazed. We were fascinated. And I look at the Internet today, and I'm like, oh, dear God, what did we do? We created this mess. Oh, my God, what did we do? It is, um, I would describe it as interaction set up for exploitation. And yeah, maybe <laughs> I, I mean, the in the in the question is, when do you when do you break from that and find another mindset? Is is there a point in the evolution of the, the tool that that the Internet is that it gets beyond its a exploitative stage and gets into the, you know, you know, back to the mindset behind its. You, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna change something I said. Yeah. We didn't break the internet. <laughs> the internet is fine. Yeah. It's humanity that's the problem. Yeah. The internet has for so long given people anonymity. They could say things they would never say to your face. Uh-huh. And they would hide from it. Flaming became a contest. Yeah. And they they took pride in how abusive they could be to other people. This is a flaw within us that we have to recognize. 
It's not that the tool needs to evolve, it's that we need to evolve. To, to use your analogy, a hammer is a great tool. And you give it to a child, it's a destructive tool. It does nothing useful. Mm -hmm. But you give it to someone who has grown around the hammer, matured around the hammer, and understands its potential and its uses. A master carpenter. And that hammer becomes an amazing tool in his hands. It's the same thing with the internet today. We as a society, I feel like we have to evolve and understand that we've got this amazing tool, but we're a bunch of toddlers running around with it. <laughs> and we've got to grow up society-wise. We yeah. have to grow up and accept that and move on and, and go to something greater. There you go. Now you got me just philosophical. Uh, even you are you are on a you are on a different <laughs> plane of existence right now. I and feel this sorry is, for everybody watching the show. Because don't worry, it's there's like, only one of them. Which way did they go? Well, oh, oh no, we're later. up to three right now. We're up to three. I'm talking later when they come back and watch the YouTube video. What the crap is that? Talking about? Um, no, and, and this is what's cool to me in this conversation right now is to feel. Not alone in in our in our immediate place, right? There, there, you know, there, there are unlikely a large sum of people who philosophically think around the way that the tool of the internet works. Yes, in a you know sparsely populated rural area like Southern Illinois, SIU or no SIU. Doesn't matter. A university can only attract so many people. Right. And there are only so many people that that are as smart as you and me, Ed. No, I'm just <laughs> well, but you see, that's the funny thing. I go to these events and people have assumed, everybody that's met me has assumed that I grew up in a city. Uh-huh. Okay. I went to a little school that had a graduating class of 30 people. Uh-huh. Okay. Our advanced math class was instead of two plus two, it was two times two. All Man. right. We didn't we we didn't have an advanced education. So we had no form of computer education. It yeah. didn't exist back then. Um we didn't have an advanced education. I grew up bailing hay to make money to buy a little dirt bike to ride around. Uh-huh. Uh I, I grew up in a poor family that I I up until I was in my late twenties, with the exception of the time I was in the Navy. Uh, I think one form or another of public aid in yeah. our lives at all times. Uh, I grew up in a poor family. I didn't grow up with a big education. Uh, I eventually got an associate's degree in literature, of all things, mm -hmm. which is totally meaningless in the computer world. <laughs> uh, it's totally meaningless anywhere. Let's just be real. Okay? <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a super useful degree. I don't have this higher education to fall back on. Mm -hmm. Uh, people think you need that for technology. I'm the equivalent of a shade tree mechanic. Yeah. And shade tree mechanics, some of the best mechanics I've ever met were shade tree mechanics. Yeah. I, I knew this guy uh, who was my stepdad. We didn't get along real well, but he's a good guy uh, to my mom, and that's all that really matters to me. And he was literally a shade tree mechanic, never had held down an actual job. Uh -huh. He just done work for people on their cars from time to time. <laughs> you could drive a car up to him and just let it run. He would stand out there for a second and he would tell you what was wrong with it before you told him what it was doing. 
<laughs> and he was right 99% of the time. Uh -huh. You don't need a higher education often. I, I, I think this is something we get into with college way too often. There are so many jobs, it's not about going to college, it's about doing. It's about getting your hands on just doing the job, learning the job. Yep. So I saw you got, did you get a donation? Uh, no, no, no. That's a, that is a, that is. I can't see the screen. No, clearly. sorry. I'm that, blind. That, that I'm was a, that was another that was another guest who was uh, telling me that uh, he was told that he needed to be on the podcast. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Come on real, now, we'll have real right another now. one. We'll now, it's it's right. No, I was talking to uh, um, uh, I, I guess I could just say this now because John's going to be on the podcast and he sent me the message. Um, uh, Gary, city manager, sent me an email being like, "Hey, you know, I uh, you know, I think our our um, uh, our uh, Carmelita who who runs the warming center would be a great guest." And I had actually just asked her last night, like, "Hey, hey, be on? The, would you be on the podcast?" And I was like, "Well, who else do you think you would you would like to see on the on the show, Gary? I'm open to suggestions and and whatnot." And one of the people he threw out was John Lanzini, and John's like. <laughs> there are some there are some really amazing people that's in Carbondale. Um, I remember at the nursing home that used to be out there um, by the fields. Uh huh. Helia. Helia. Um, when it was when it was my mother was there for a while, but this was years ago. It was like I was like seventeen or something, mm -hmm. and going in there and doing stuff for school. I actually met a man, and we sat down and talked for days, it seemed like, that was a sparring partner of George Foreman. <laughs> and I got to hear all these incredible stories of yeah. George Foreman. We have these resources down here. Uh, there was a guy, I don't know if he's still alive or not, there's a guy down here that worked on the Apollo program. Uh -huh. And I've had opportunities with him to sit and talk. Uh, there's a gentleman down here, I want to say he was a teacher, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. He played Wilt Chamberlain against Wilt Chamberlain in the very first college game Chamberlain ever played. That's just amazing to yeah. me that we've got these kind of stories and these kind of people in Southern Illinois, and we don't ever talk about them. A, a story that I brought up on the podcast a, a couple times, Tom Grant uh, tells has, has told me this story a time or two where it's like some, some guys – like the original, like militarized predator drone type drones, yes. like the the prototypes for that stuff was like taped together in some apartment building somewhere in Carbondale. I don't know how true that story is or is not, right? Like, but I, but I know I can envision it. I know I can imagine that some people that were you know a mix of engineering and um, the uh, our, our our flight school. Uh, were were connected somehow, and these guys came up with this idea, and it was probably early, you know, world of the internet, and they were just understanding how you know radio waves and bandwidth work, and they were like, "Huh, I think we can make something that flies on a remote control, but really is way more wild than that." And boof, they made <laughs> the first military drone. I don't know if that's what happened, but I know I can envision that happening in Carbondale. Well, it, it's <laughs> we we've got all these stories down here. We've got all these like like I said, everybody thinks I grew up in a city. Um, I, I love to tell a story about my mother. Uh, I came back from the Navy, and I lived with my mother for probably about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I, I was really struggling with what I was going to do next because I'd studied. I was a navigator in the Navy. You know how useless ocean navigation on a submarine is in Southern Illinois? <laughs> so, 
So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next, but I spent a lot of time in computer games, and computer games for me were the gateway to the rest of it. Mm -hmm. I've been a programmer. I still do a lot of hardware work. I, I've done all aspects of computers, and it was the gateway. And my mother sat down with me one day and said, you, you now, I'm trying to do her work, I not very well, and, and she just passed. I've got to be a little respectful. <laughs> uh, disrespectful enough. She no. said, you know, you're never going to amount to anything if you keep playing those computer games. <laughs> well, about eight years ago was when I got the job with Sapphire. Now, Sapphire, for those of you that don't know, is one of the premier high-end video card makers. We make, we make video cards for PC gamers. Yep. And we are really the, one of the top three video card manufacturers for PC gamers. We, uh, we, I, I run, even though Ed said it, I, you don't really need it for that. The, the, the computer that I run all of this off of was originally built for virtual reality. Um, and, now, <laughs> and now it runs videos and stuff when I need it to. Um, but you keep talking. So and as you talk, I'm going to interject you're with You're going to show like, all that Sapphire swag I brought Yeah, you. oh, yeah. yeah I no, brought him so, gifts. Merry Christmas. Oh, 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 see, I can be Santa. <laughs> the Santa Claus so, you were never allowed to be. Anyway. <laughs> um. So I'm, I am now handling PR in North America, and uh -huh. that's Canada and the United States, for a company that hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Yeah. And PR is mine. I, it rests on my shoulders. I'm the gaming evangelist for the company worldwide. <laughs> and, and so I sat down with my mother, I guess it was about seven years ago, because about a year after I started working for Sapphire. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you remember this conversation we had? And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, I want you to think about this for a minute. <laughs> PC gaming led me to a successful radio show career. It led me to run a successful business of my own here in Southern Illinois. And it has led me to international recognition and working PR for one of the top-rated companies in the industry. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, and I said, did I amount to anything? <laughs> It was a running joke for us. She started laughing. So, yeah, you're just playing with all the swag now. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I am. Well, like I, like I said, normally I do land parties all over the country during the year. Yeah. We did one event this year um, in Louisville, Kentucky, by the way, which if you're ever looking for a land party, that's a great point. Is, aren't those cool? Aren't I those had, he, he brought me, he brought me a. I'm, I'm gonna have to switch over to the other camera. Yeah, it's it it's, it's sapphire branded. It's sapphire branded UV box. I've been looking at these online for a <laughs> for for like a year there, there now. You go. That box actually has a cool additional feature. It's got an aroma section in it. I so hate smells, so I will never turn that on. <laughs> you, my wife puts essential oils in hers. Those are actually really cool little boxes. Oh, yeah, um, this is nice. Th this is something I worked on with Sapphire, and I, I was lucky with the fact that they understood the reasoning. Most companies, when they do swag for events like land parties and trade shows, they tend to do simple things like stickers. And I've, I've talked our company into that's the little card that Sapphire put it to say thank you. Unboxing! This unboxing. is my first ever professional <laughs> unboxing. And Anyway, I'm, this is why I don't make unboxing videos. I make... But, podcast but about cool local the, people. One of the things that I was really <laughs> able to work with, with and, and we did, it's not just me, but, but I helped a little, uh, was we make sure we don't put junky swag 
yeah. together. We don't give away as much as many other companies. And that's okay. Give away the the stuff good. that you give away better be good, damn it. That's right. I want, <laughs> I want stuff that people are going to use for a year or two after we give it to them, not just look at it and go, hey, that's really yeah. cool, and throw it in the trash Well, and, the, and their investment with you, right, like a, a, a quality investment in a good consumer will yield a type of brand loyalty that will stretch the course of somebody's career. Well, Somebody's a 3D graphic designer, and they're attached to you. Somebody is a VR specialist, they're attached to you. Somebody's just a straight gamer, they're attached to you. All these... Sorry. My my focus on VR or not on VR but on PR is if we give the gamer something of value to them, mm -hmm. we will build the brand no matter what. It's a scarf. Yeah. It's a scarf. Those I had are no actually idea from last year. I've got two left. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea. I don't I'm not a scarf guy. That's okay. I'm a scarf guy now. We I'm not built. a good scarf guy. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not your ideal scarf guy. But you know what? I'm a scarf guy nevertheless. Uh, a couple of years ago, we did. Uh, we did the wool beanies. Cashmere. I thought that was a place, not a fabric. This is. We did. Um, we did wool beanies, and we did wool scarves. They weren't. They weren't as nice looking as those, but they were really nice scarves. And we actually, I actually in, in trade shows would go in and talk about it. That Sapphire video cards, because heat's the enemy of all hardware and computers. Uh -huh. Sapphire video cards run so cool that I had to get uh, hoodies scarf. and scarves for our customers that have frostbite. That's the freaking PR guy. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Color me freaking impressed. And well, what it, was your it, what what did you just like work on people's computers for twenty years or something? Yes. Was that your, uh, okay. My I had a business. It was called Computer Eds. <laughs> uh, we did in-home service for home users and small businesses. Uh -huh. you, you, I, the commercials we ran on WJPF were, I crawl under your desk so you don't bump your head. <laughs> so you wouldn't have to bring me your computer. I'd come and get it or work on it in home. And I did that for almost 20 years mm -hmm. and, and made a good living at it. We were doing all right. Uh, the Sapphire job was just too good to pass up. I mean, I'm getting paid to travel the country, talk about PC gaming and play PC games and test them and test hardware and help in hardware design. And how do you pass that up? You get sidetracked. I'm sorry, man. I just had like a work tweet come through and then I <laughs> looked and I got sidetracked sure and shame on me. My pocket. <laughs> ah, this boo, boo on that. Say what you just said again, Ed. This is embarrassing. I, I this is so live. Uh, I, I was saying I ran a, a local computer business, and we did in-home repairs. Uh, we we were niched that way. We did the work in-home. The um, and it's I mean some of that's got to be the the way, the way that it is now. Like okay, cool. Like you want somebody to come in and like put your whole network together. Now you want somebody to come in and like be the maestro of your stuff. <laughs> well, what what I'd have is people get a virus, or their computer would suddenly start acting weird or not work the way they'd want. And they'd pick up the phone and I'd say, okay, I'll be out this day. And I'd come out and help them solve the problem. And they didn't have to pick up the computer. One of the complaints in the computer industry, and, and I think rightfully so today still, is if you want your computer repaired, you got to pick it up. You got to take it to a store. Now you're going to drop it off at the store and you don't know how long it's going to be there. It may be there a few hours. It may be there a few days. Maybe there a week. Then they're going to tell you it's fixed. Here's how much it costs. They're going to hand you the computer. Now you have to go home and hook it back up and it won't work. 
that scenario plays out way more often than people think. Uh -huh. That's because there's something in the environment, something at the house that's causing the issue. Either the way you're hooking it up, maybe it's a power. I've had power fluctuations. I've had magnetic fields in homes cause computers to have issues. You can't find that when you take a computer into a shop. You just can't do it. It doesn't work. You want them in your home to sit down with you and figure out what's going on with your computer. Uh, you found magnetic fields before. I, I actually had a client that it, 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 it's long and it's complicated. And there's a lot of physics material in it. But let's just say they had a magnetic field that was being generated around their trailer that they lived in. It was weak, but it was causing them headaches, was giving them problems with television and radio reception. They had no clue what was going on, and we discovered it and stopped it because their computer worked fine at the shop, would die at their house. Yeah. But we didn't find that out until we went out to the house. That's, yeah, I've got I've got tons of stories if you want to get into stuff about computer repair and uh, weird things we found. No, and... no, 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 because we'll we'll get to the gross out factor, and I can't handle the gross out. No, factor. I haven't. I actually haven't had too many gross outs. <laughs> um, like I said, I've I've got so many stories with this industry because this is what I've done. Yeah. For well, thirty years professionally, and over forty years just as a hobbyist and a gamer. I, that's one of the things I love about my job. I'm not just dealing with a community like too many PR reps. Uh -huh. They deal with a community. Now, they know their product. Yeah. They don't really know their community. They're not one of them. Yeah. I'm one of them. I'm the guy that's yelling and screaming with the others. So here's something that's really cool about the cannabis industry right now. And, and <laughs> PC gaming to pot. Hey man, we're we're all in the same boat, right? We're all just recreation at the end of the day, uh, the except for those that are medicine. And medicine's an important component of this. And I just shot myself my own media marketing PR guy foot. But the um, so so in cannabis, it is very much a community oriented thing. Like from a from a media perspective, like, so there are plenty of consumers that don't participate in the showcasing of cannabis, but like for a good, probably I'd say 15 to 25% of the people out there. And that has zero factual evidence to back up those numbers. I'm just guessing and throwing some silly numbers out there. Um, there's, there are people that are just committed to, this is my thing. I, I consume media around cannabis that I consume yeah. myself. And in this space, everybody is an influencer to their own audience, right. right? And they want to be what they see others being. It's very much like a, a positive feedback loop of, you know, uh, you know, person see, person do. And I get to come in here as somebody who's been, you know, participating in, in social digital spaces since I was like 13, 14 years old, right? In terms of social media, interactions like what we now see as social media that's a pretty long time right at a pretty formative age to have picked up on things like that um and so i i, I see these folks and i understand what stages of growing a following they're going through of what you know interaction within a community they're they're experiencing for the first time or on on repeat and it's that that ability to like actually empathize with oh I am the person that you are makes me capable of, to do what I do, and you do the same thing. I try. Um, <laughs> fun bot story for you that 
I'll give you a fun pot story. There you go. I, I, <laughs> by the way, I've smoked pot once. I've only smoked pot once in my life. It was for a girl. <laughs> Is it everything right. for a girl? <laughs> um, I actually smoked the entire joint, looked at him and said, I just don't get what this is about. <laughs> and I've never smoked pot since. It, 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 it didn't do anything. But um, I was out in Las Vegas at CES, and I was meeting with a company. This is back when I was doing the radio show, and mm -hmm. Doug was with me when this happened. And we walked in, and we're talking to this one factory rep. And he's like, hey, guys, look, it's time to end the day. Let's unwind. He said, we've got booze here. We've got food we can have delivered. We can just sit up here. You guys can sit up with us. Awesome. I mean, this is great. I got no problem with that. And he comes out with a suitcase. I'm not kidding you. A suitcase. <laughs> he opens the suitcase and he said, do you guys do pot? <laughs> you want to smoke the suitcase? <laughs> no. And he said, we got to try it. He opens up the suitcase, and he's got like 30 different containers of pot that are each a different, I don't know what the term strain. is. The phrase would be strain. Strain. Yep. <laughs> and this guy was like a pot connoisseur. Uh-huh. He was like Gordon Ramsay of pot. Yeah. And, and he's talking about, well, this one will do this, and this will do that. And we're sitting here going, What? And, and we're sitting there. We had they, they had steak dinners delivered. It was a really nice evening. We, uh -huh. we actually did have a really nice evening. But I watched him go through about half that pot just sitting there. It was an interesting experience. I didn't realize at the time, because I guess I was naive, that there were that many strains of pot. Oh, my God. And, and that is and now there's an entire industry of it, right? It yes. Used to, like, it used to be like, okay, here, here are the names that you know, because, you know, these are the people that can produce on scale. And they would name them, and here it is, and and whatever. And and now it's, there are there are people that, that are, that their work is to seek out uh, you know, strains and, and understand the science behind the growth. And like, it's, it's essentially just, it's breeding is what it is. Yes. It's breeding, it's breeding plants. Um, well, it's like roses or tulips or just yeah. any other plant. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's, and it's wild. The, the more that I've learned about it in a short month and a half, I've never been a science behind cannabis type of guy. Um, it's, it was never like the, the technical aspect of it was never something that was like, Oh yeah. Like just smoke it and be cool, man. Uh, <laughs> and so I try to keep them from hearing the cough. No, you're good. You're good. It's just a dry throat guys. I'm not. <laughs> everything's contagious, cool. I everything's swear. cool. Uh, even if we are, we're still that good 30 feet apart from one 30 another. 30 feet it's apart. Nice. It'll <laughs> so the, there, there are, there are, folks now who like their whole thing is like they are people that have amassed libraries of these yes. different strains and like people they just have hundreds or thousands of, of types of seeds that are just like here is the here I, I don't know what's a what's a good um analogy to to something that contains all of the information in the world right it is the the internet. Number do what <laughs> wikipedia there, there you, you go. go it's the people that are like literally the wikipedia of cannabis strains like that's now, their now remember, thing folks we we're supposed to be talking about computers and, and technology <laughs> somewhere along the line we both lost control and this has gone insane. So here's here's where i'll wrap it together for you because okay. i just made these posts for work earlier today um, a buddy of mine, Kyle, who was episode number seven of this show, uh, 
started and 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 is an executive for a company called EcoBuds. They essentially do biosecurity, stopping like mold and pests and other stuff okay. like that from affecting plants. That's that's their job. Um, he has a relationship now with Boston Dynamics. We have spot in the building monitoring the air for biosecurity threats. Right. Like that's technology on a different yes. level. We have robots participating in the growth of cannabis and that's happening just up the street here in Carbondale. <laughs> <laughs> Your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, that's somebody working to bring you tax dollars back. Thank well, you very much. Well, that's true. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, you it's said crazy. we got people watching live. Are they not going to talk and ask questions? Uh, no, yeah, I've not had any questions thus far. Well, shame on you people. <laughs> There's only one person, and it might just be us that we're talking to well, because I've got my one screen up. One right person now. is enough. <laughs> I'll ask myself the question right okay, now. Okay, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. We will we will do something that is like a a computer ed uh, live. We'll do a Sapphire Ed live and, if, and if ask the do, expert. If we type do a of live, thing. We, we need to promote it like a week in yep. advance. And no, no, we are, we can so we can set something like that up. And I would love to. I, I think it would be great. Um, you know, if we could set something like that up, the the lights that are all behind you and all the staging equipment behind you, uh, we can we can turn to that nice sapphire blue. We can do we can do all the things that we need to do to make you look like super legit in this space. Um, and and I think yeah, I, I'm I, not I would super really enjoy legit. that. Oh my god, <laughs> do what? I'm not super legit. Oh my god. Oh, you know you are you know you are super legit. I'm sorry. I mean, I, but like to make you I know look, what you meant to make it look more professional. Dang it, Ed. Now I'm all bashful. I, I don't even think that I talked about like how geeked out I was about this. I don't know if that was part of the podcast or not. Well, yeah, that was kind of that was kind of nice to hear because I don't hear too many people talk about computer red anymore. Right. Um, and and that's okay. That it, it, it was a it was a time and it was a lot of fun yeah. and it, it was an amazing experience. But I look back at it now and I was a moron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I never commercialized it. Uh huh. Okay, I did. 16, 18 years of a radio show for the pure passion yeah. of computers. Yeah. And I never pushed hard to try to make money at it. Mm -hmm. And I should have. Yeah. Because I think I could have made money at it. Um, you live and learn. This is this is a hobby that to me is is more than a more than a hobby. It's a lifestyle, it's a life choice. Uh, I don't watch a lot of TV. When I need entertainment, I play video games. Uh, or I play board games. I play a lot of board games. Or I read a book. That's my entertainment, not television, not movies. I do watch them, just not every yeah. night. It's not the same thing. Um, gaming gets a bad rap. People, people hear the term gaming. Man, when I was working on home computers, I'd go in and they'd want to get a new system. So I'd always ask them. I'd always start with, what do you want to do with the system? Yeah. Okay, because that's going to define what the best components are, the best value is for the consumer. And the response I would get was always the same about I want to do spreadsheets or I want to browse the internet or I want to watch YouTube, but I'm not a gamer. That was always said, I'm not a gamer. What? That is a philosophy. Well, people associate gaming uh -huh. with children. Huh. Okay, so let me give you a few statistics most people don't know. Mm -hmm. The average computer gamer is 34 to 35 years of age. Okay. 
most of them, about 60% are male. The other 40% are female. That statistic surprises everyone. Mm -hmm. Female are fast growing in the computer gaming world. Mm -hmm. Most computer gamers have a child and is married. Mm -hmm. Most computer gamers have at least an associate's degree. And probably about 75% of computer gamers hold a full-time job with an average income of around 50000 a year. Mm -hmm. Okay, that doesn't sound like children in, in basements looking at Sarah Michelle Keller's pictures, okay? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't sound like people in mama's, in mama's house. And that's the impression, though, we've been given by PC gamers. Mm -hmm. You go and look at these people that do cosplay. Okay, I know you know what cosplay is. Oh, yeah. For everybody here that doesn't know what cosplay is, there's a character in a video game or a movie you think is awesome, and you dress up to look like them, and you go to an event like that. They look at the few really weird people that don't want to do it at the event. They want to do it their entire life. <laughs> okay, and look, I've had a Star Trek uniform, but I never wore it on a date, all right? So... But they look at that, that small group of people. Cosplayers are some of the most amazing artists you've ever met. These people are taking styrofoam and, and paper mache and paint and, and little pieces of wood, and they are turning them into these intricate Hollywood, did it again, Hollywood, <laughs> I'm sorry, whoever heard that, I'm you're sorry. You're fine, you're fine. Hollywood level special effect uh -huh. outfits. These people are incredible at what they do. But again, we've associated them with a specific group. And, and we've created this illusion that everybody that does this stuff must be like that. PC gaming, I, I'll bet you didn't know this. Do you know PC gaming is actually, from a health perspective, good for seniors? No. So what goes on with this is there was a study done about 15, 20 years ago in New York. Now, the study was centered around Central Park and all the chess tables that were in Central Park. And they started watching the old men and the old women that were playing chess there every day. At the end of the study, and it took about 10 years for them to do the study, and they had something like 30,000 people that participated. Mm -hmm. They found that the people that played chess daily had something like a 60% reduction in the occurrence of Alzheimer's and dementia. And if they did get Alzheimer's and dementia, it never progressed as far as the people that didn't do it. It was always just barely getting started. It never went any further. That's an amazing statistical change. Just an amazing statistical change. PC gaming works because it works on the same principle. It makes the mind stay interactive. PC gaming is not like TV where you sit down, you watch a story, and the term is veg out. Mm -hmm. You can't in a PC game. you got to pay attention. The mind stays active. It doesn't require a great deal of physical prowess. There are many PC games that are not reflex-based that lets them work even as they get older. So you've got this amazing system that allows a senior citizen to stay mentally engaged, interactively engaged, and think of all those shut-ins that don't have people they can talk to. There are massive communities on the internet around these games. And seniors are welcomed in these communities. I've played in a lot of communities with, uh, in fact, uh, I, I just did a, um, a MechWarrior Online community that I was a part of. 
that one of the guys in the community was almost 80 years old. <laughs> it, it's, they're accepted. They're, they've got a family they create. I've known seniors that have adopted the young children. Or not the young children, okay, 20-year-olds. Yeah. They've adopted <laughs> the younger people as grandchildren. And they're giving them advice. And they're, they, they've even bought them Christmas presents. Yeah. And I've known communities that when the senior member disappeared for a few days, there were people that drove six hours to his house to make sure he was okay because he was part of their community. This level of interaction that we can give to seniors, think of all these seniors we got stuck in nursing homes that don't get to see their own families. Yeah. This gives them interaction, keeps their mind engaged. It helps them physically have a more fulfilling life in their senior years. Nobody wants to talk about that when it comes to PC gaming. I, I've tried to get that discussion on local news stations, television, and radio. No. I've tried to get that discussion. Nobody wants to have that discussion. I think that's an amazing discussion. Look at what's happening with COVID. Do you know PC gaming right now is bigger in income than television, movies, or music? In terms of folks who... It, in terms of cash revenue generated. Yeah, for, like for an end user, like... Yes. You know, say, say somebody is streaming their gameplay and they're making, you know, a comparable $35,000 Well, no, I'm not talking how much they're making. I'm talking how much they're spending. Oh, wow, okay. People are spending more on a computer game system than they are on many other forms of entertainment. They're mm -hmm. spending more for the computer games than many other forms of entertainment. Now, I've, I've heard this argument, but gaming's a waste of time. Every hobby is a waste of time, <laughs> okay? If you want to whittle fi little figures out of sticks, it's a waste of time. That's the nature of a hobby, is to blow off the time, to get away from the real world and have your moment away and just say, screw y'all. I'm going to relax. That's the purpose of wasting time. Everybody needs to do it. PC gaming isn't for kids. Well, it is, but it's for adults too. And it's an amazing hobby. There is, somebody asked me, I was doing the specials with Pat Bitten. I hadn't actually got the show yet. Mm -hmm. And Pat asked me during one of those morning meetings, where he was milking his chickens. I, I don't know where he came up with that <laughs> phrase, by the way. That's how old I am, folks. I remember that. Um, <laughs> Pat Mitten milking chickens. Yep. Um, Pat asked me, he said, what is it about computers that gets you so excited, so enthused? And I said, think about this from a hobbyist point of view. I can take this device and I can write a book. I can store recipes. I can balance my checkbook. I can talk to somebody in Italy and get a real Italian spaghetti sauce recipe. I can talk to somebody in China and learn how to use chopsticks. I can watch a movie. I can listen to music. Or I can become Captain Picard and be on the Enterprise. The only limit to computing is a hobby Imagination. And I hope that this has spurred your imagination this evening. <laughs> the transition out. Uh, this is, this for me, 
I, you know, it's it's like meeting it's you know meeting a media hero type and that person. Well, just I hope not. Your own I hope I haven't disappointed, but uh, no, I'm just Ed. <laughs> and that's it. He's just Ed. Episode thirty-one of the WTF Carbondale podcast. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen.